This podcast is marketing material for a South Africa investment professional only. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our monthly Global Markets Perspective podcast for South African investors. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by our head of multi-asset growth and income, Remy Olupitan, and we'll be discussing a number of issues regarding where we are in respect to the economy and investment markets. Hello, Remy. Hello, Condi. Great. Remy, perhaps before we get into the economy and markets, an obvious place to start is this Omicron variant of the COVID-19 virus that has hit the world. I mean, whilst it's still early days, uh, the, the initial data does confirm that the rate at which the virus spreads is higher than previous variants. Uh, I, I believe that this new variant is in over 24 countries globally already. Now, we've already seen a number of countries globally issue travel bans on a number of African countries specifically. Uh, what are you seeing as the likely impact of all of this on economies and, and markets? And, and if at all, has it changed our outlook on, on growth? Hi, Condi. It's not um, very encouraging for our outlook for growth. I mean, just to start with, um, it is really an unfortunate situation to have um, yet another um, variant. It's it's something that was expected, but the timing isn't particularly helpful. Um, so the approach has been to shoot first and ask questions later in terms of um, the reaction of most policymakers. Um, it is understandable, um, given the um, emergency and what occurred and the lessons from previous from 2020 with regards to the response to um, the virus. I think on the if I can think of anything that's maybe slightly positive, it is that while the Omicron variant is proving to be very infectious, it feels like the the news so far suggests that the severity is mild. So we have a variant that's more infectious, but um, significantly less deadly. Um, this hasn't yet been confirmed. We need a lot more information, but the news that we have received so far suggests something in that order. And so what this means is that if I can address what is positive before dealing with the reality that we're likely to face in the immediate term, but if, if there is anything positive about it, it, it suggests that we are likely to see more variants come through, but based on the path of most pathogens, it suggests that these variants will be less lethal. Um, if they're more infectious, it means more people get infected, which means that the immunity levels uh, uh, amongst the population age um, increases. So longer term, it, it could be a positive in terms of the path out of this um, crisis driven by the pandemic. But in terms of the immediate issue, given the amount of restrictions that we are seeing, it is a headwind in terms of growth. 
So we are having to um, cut our growth forecasts um, because restrictions uh, reduces mobility and it does have an impact in terms of economic activity. So I think the immediate hit is a little bit of a downward um, movement in terms of growth projections. But longer term, if we can prove, if the data confirms that the variant is milder, even though it's more infectious, I, I think longer term, it helps us to see how we can move out, move, you know, see the end of the pandemic. Thanks, Remy. We certainly have to talk inflation. Um, we've seen the impacts of these supply side or supply chain disruptions, the energy commodity prices, tight labor markets, particularly in the US and so on. Is inflation going to be a permanent feature or, or do you see this as more of a transitory uh, phenomenon? And uh, perhaps with the context of your response to the previous question, is it time to start speaking the dreaded S word? stagflation going forward? Yes, it is a dreaded S word. Um, well, firstly, in terms of transitory, the Fed has um, suggested, so last week, um, hearing from Powell, we need to move away from that term transitory. Um, elevated levels of inflation are likely to be with us for the foreseeable future. Um, indeed, the Omicron variant isn't helping on that front because restrictions means that there will be more supply side disruptions. So that is going to lead to higher price, um, prices, particularly for goods and certain services. So even policymakers themselves are telling us that we need to let go of this idea of transitory inflation. Now, is this going to be stagflationary? I think we need to look at it both in terms of short term and long term. Short term, I've mentioned that we are having to reduce our growth forecasts. At the same time, inflation is going to be elevated. So purely based on the numbers, the trade-off in terms of the Delta, the change of in growth and the change in inflation is not favourable and is leaning rather stagflationary. So you're likely to see less growth and a little bit more inflation. The math suggests it's stagflationary. However, if we move away from the very short term and think more longer term, the nature of the inflation may not necessarily be stagflationary. And what I mean by the nature is just distinguishing between the types of inflation we're facing today. We have supply side bottlenecks that are going to be with us for the foreseeable future, but over time they should fade. The other side of inflation is the labour market. Certainly in the developed world, in the US and in Europe, we are seeing very, very tight labour markets in that supply of labour is a lot lower than the demand for labour. So the equilibrium price of labour has to rise. So we are going to see higher wages. So that is the type of inflation that we expect to be more persistent the Fed is taking note 
We do believe that the ECB at some point in time will take note. They don't want to for the time being, but they should do. Um, so that is the type of inflation that we believe will be more persistent. Now, the consequences is really based on how um, central banks choose to react to it. While a lot of central bankers now are telling us to, you know, really keep an eye on inflation expectations, inflation expectations do suggest that inflation isn't going to get out of control, but it will remain elevated. And on that basis, we think that central banks will pay attention to inflation. They will adjust policy as a in in order to respond to inflation but they're likely to be reactive rather than proactive so they will still be behind the curve they will not tighten policy too aggressively they will allow inflation to evolve and um, so that's our view so from a financial markets point of view there's a little bit of a handover from a inflation to, from a loose policy regime to a tighter policy regime and that's likely to cause a little bit of volatility but as long as growth remains strong financial markets should continue to perform well however there will be winners and losers and in a lot of our portfolios and, and, and funds across Schroders it's really about identifying those winners and avoiding the losers speaks quite nicely into the next question I'd like to ask Remy and that's really around the you know, central banks broadly response to uh, the current state of affairs particularly around inflation we've seen a number of emerging market central bankers move uh, to tighten um, conditions to raise rates, uh, our central bank being one such where a couple of weeks ago we did have a 25 basis point hike in our, in our rates. Um, you mentioned that DM central bankers are likely to be a lot more data-led and perhaps will let things run hot a bit. Your thoughts around this, um, is this a case of emerging markets moving too early? Or, or, or is there something else at play here? Certainly, the EM central bankers have been more responsive um, to inflation and have reacted accordingly. And um, whereas in DM, there's been a lot more patience and willingness to um, allow inflation to um, stay elevated for longer. I think that that divergence is here to stay. Um, now, a lot of that is really been driven by how the market, um, the risk premium the market allows or affords EM versus DM central bankers. So at the moment, investors demand a higher risk premium for inflation within EM. Investors desperately demand a significant level of real yields. Whereas in DM, investors are willing to accept negative real yields. Now, this is an unusual phenomenon, um, but it is something that has been with us for a while. So in the case of EM, with inflation rising, EM central banks really needed to raise rates in order to maintain a level of real yields that was still attractive. And that is because we are... 
within the midst of all of these inflation debate, there's this other idea of access to funding. And access to funding is really difficult in the world today. Um, some There are haves and have-nots. Um, and within EM, to get access to funding, um, investors really demand a risk premium. And that is either through an attractive real yield or a very stable currency. Um, so that is the challenge a lot of EM central bankers have had to face. Um, within DM, we think that real yields are very negative. We should see some pressure there over the coming months. We believe that there will be upside pressure for real yields because um, DM, because a lot of central banks have now confirmed that they are paying a close eye on inflation. And so I think that um, investors will start to price a higher level of real yields. Nevertheless, it's likely to remain negative. We do not expect real yields in the US to move into positive territory, but they shouldn't be as negative as they are today. We think that valuations, particularly from a real yield perspective, is now attractive within EM. Although sentiment hasn't turned, we need a catalyst through upside surprises in terms of growth. That's unlikely to come till early next year. And just some more transparency with regards to the outlook for growth in China would be helpful too. But certainly, I think the way EM central banks have reacted is what the textbook says they should do. It's DM central banks that haven't followed the textbook, but EM central bankers have reacted as the textbook suggests. And they just we just need some more time for investors to build confidence before re-engaging with EM fixed income assets. Perfect. Thanks, Remy. I'd like to pivot now to this long-term structural shifts that we're seeing, particularly around sustainability. Um, coming out of COP26, we've seen many commitments being made towards this transition to a net zero world. But I think it's fairly obvious that this challenge remains a daunting one. What What is the impact of this structural shift likely to be um, in the investment world? And how how must investors look at this? It's going to have a meaningful impact in terms of how we look at the world today. I mean, particularly when it comes to inflation as well, there is a cost associated with decarbonisation. Um, the private sector is likely to bear the brunt of that cost as well as consumers. So that cost will be through higher prices. So that in itself is going to keep inflation elevated. Um, from an investment point of view, it is really about understanding what the standards are for companies. And we need more information with regards to what the goals of a lot of companies are and how they are aligned to um, climate change and net zero targets. So a lot of information will be coming out over the next couple of months to years that will help investors get a very good sense of whether these companies are on the right side of the trend or whether they're behind the movement. If they're behind the movement, we do think that it will have a meaningful impact on their price multiples. Finally, what is the impact on global growth? Um, ultimately, from a decarbonisation point of view, we think that you are going to see a shift in investment priorities 
away from energy and fossil fuels into infrastructure and other assets that helps us in this decarbonisation journey. At the moment, a lot of that investment is really prioritising infrastructure projects in DM. But actually, we think that a lot of um, investors are really looking at how what, what that journey means for the emerging market world. Because we are a globe, this, this matters for the entire world. And we believe that we are going to see a real appetite to consider investment projects that matter for EM. Both really with, um, we think that a lot of those investments will really focus on climate change. But over time, we will see more projects that are really designed to address the S side of ESG, the social factors. So at the moment in Europe, we're seeing a lot of appetite for those types of investments. And ultimately, we think that this is a very positive um, direction in terms of how how investors want to um, distribute their capital. Remy, to close out the podcast uh, today, um, maybe just two more questions from me. So firstly, given this backdrop that you've you've just painted, how is the multi-asset team uh, looking at the opportunities? What are, what are their specific asset classes or regional views or indeed thematic views that you're currently uh, looking at at the moment? And then perhaps as the final element would be to ask you to look into your crystal ball and perhaps look forward into 2022 and maybe highlight two or three key issues that you'll certainly keep your eyes on um, going forward. Well, I think, you know, certainly from a multi-asset point of view, the the landscape is different. Um, It's really about generating growth or generating income in a world of inflation. Um, the last decade, we were generating growth or income in a world of deflation. So I think we have to take a step back and recognise that the landscape, um, it, you know, moving beyond the next couple of months, but thinking about it over the medium term, the landscape is one where we will continue to talk about inflation due to short and longer term impacts. So as a consequence within our portfolio, it's really about building a core of assets that can do well in a world of inflation. I know that it's something that we're, um, you know, we're uncomfortable with because we've had many years of deflation, but actually, typically, inflation is not necessarily a bad environment for um, assets such as equities. It's really about being very careful about the type of equities uh, one owns. So within our core portfolio, we're really focused on identifying those equities of companies that have that pricing power um, and those companies should continue to excel. So there is a bias towards, and, and it's not really style driven. We have to move away from these ide- um, lines of growth versus value. It's really about looking at the company level. So there is an overlap. You will identify strong companies within industrials. There are some tech companies that can that have that pricing power. That, that There are some companies within energy, financials, et cetera. So that bias is really important. Also having a bias to thematic strategies that are, um, linked to sustainability, particularly those thematic strategies that are focused on delivering a positive impact. We think that those strategies can 
really help investors deliver a very strong return going forward. And finally, real assets. We believe real assets like commodities, real estate should do very, very well in the foreseeable future where we're discussing inflation. And um, we also prefer private assets. So assets that have a cash flow linked to inflation will be very, very helpful. So infrastructure, equity and debt are the type of assets we really like in our portfolio. And in terms of next year, what should we be on the lookout for? Really, we really need to look at inflation expectations. At the moment, the market is expecting inflation to be elevated, but the, um, the, sh- the slope of inflation expectations, so for example, what investors think inflation will be like in three, five, ten years is very flat. Um, If that starts to steepen, then that's something that could be quite concerning for fixed income assets. We also need to pay a lot of attention to um, central banks, particularly the Fed. What is their reaction function? When will they raise rates? How quickly will they raise rates? We also need to watch what's happening in China. Um, We have seen a material slowdown in growth. Policymakers are starting to respond to address that. We had a triple R cut this morning. So there is a response to that. But how quickly will they respond um, with regards to addressing the slowdown? Great. Thanks for the very insightful comments, as always, Remy. And thank you all very much for joining us for yet another Global Markets Perspective podcast. We trust that you have found this series useful throughout the year, and we look forward to bringing you more great content in the new year. Please do take care of yourselves and stay safe until we see each other again in January 2022. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up, and investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance and may not be repeated. Schroeder's Investment Management Limited is an authorized financial services provider. FSP number 48998, registration number 01893220, incorporated in England and Wales. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation. Any funds, services or products mentioned might not be appropriate for all listeners. Please speak to a financial advisor if you are unsure as to the suitability of any investment. This podcast does not constitute an offer to anyone or a solicitation by anyone to subscribe for shares of Schroeder International Selection Fund. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as advice and is therefore not a recommendation to buy or sell shares. An investment in the company entails risks, which are fully described in the prospectus. Subscriptions for shares of the company can only be made on the basis of its latest key investor information document and prospectus, together with the latest audited annual report, copies of which can be obtained free of charge from Schroeder's Investment Management, South Africa.